Welcome to Esoteric Curiosities. Random thoughts, rantings, ravings, and confessions of a former industry analyst. Me. My name is Ken Gonzalez, and I'm your host. So buckle your seatbelt, keep your hands and arms inside the car at all times, and enjoy the ride. Your journey into Esoteric Curiosities starts now. And good day, dear listener. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, okay, let's get this thing kicked off. One of the things I found most useful over the course of my career has been communication. Quite frankly, it's one of those things that easily passes as something everyone knows about, but often has a lack of real facility with it. Now, when I say that, most people are going to think, oh, of course, speaking, listening. Yes, those are very important. Well, would I argue that point? <laughs> no. They are important. At the same time, communication covers a lot more territory than that. That's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Today is about visual communication. Now, you might be thinking to yourself about this point. Well, how in the heck is Ken Gunn going to do that on a podcast? <laughs> well, good question. I'm glad I've got an answer for it. And spoiler alert, it will involve homework. Yes, it will involve homework. So, let's get into it, shall we? The normal model of communication goes something like this. I'm over here, you're over there. There's distance between us. We are separated in space. With today's technology, just like with the podcast here, we can even be separated in time. The default model of communication is really one that's organized around message passing, where I'm thinking about something that I want to communicate to you so I'm going to try to carefully choose my words, package them up so I can transmit them to you, send them to you. So you can capture that, unpackage it, receive the message, and hopefully you're going to be able to decode and interpret the message in a way that results in your receiving the message I'd originally intended to send. Seems pretty simple, right? Well, yeah, it is. And it's also loaded with pitfalls. Now let's... And ask yourself a question here and be honest about it. How often do we get this right on the first go? How often does something get misinterpreted? How often does something important get left out? The answers to these questions are pretty dim because <laughs> a lot gets left out. A lot gets missed on the first go and a lot gets misinterpreted. Maybe there's another way we can think about this. There is another way of considering communication. Yes, I'm over here and you're over there. That much is obvious. Or is it? <laughs> well, depending upon who you talk to, uh, maybe the nature of reality might be in question, but that's a different podcast. That's not this one. As embodied beings, we can accept that there is distance between us. We are separated in space. I don't occupy the same space you do. At the same time, we can make the argument that communication provides the world in which we live. What do I mean by that? Well, communication provides a container in which we understand ourselves, others, and what's happening in the world. We are connected by this and relate to each other through communication. Now, you might be asking yourself, but... We said that communication is a function of the words coming through our mouths. And you said, no. Well, 
not so fast. I don't deny that there are words, speaking, and listening. The fact of the matter is that there's a lot more to communication than that. I'd like you to think back into your life. You're about to have a conversation with somebody. And you say something to someone only to have them give you the look. You know the look, right? This is a great example of communication that isn't message passing. There's clearly a context and an intention to communicate something. To who? To you. <laughs> the context is something that you and the other person understand because you're in it together. The intention is a commitment to communicate from one person to another. And that also doesn't mean that you have to like it. Which brings us to today's topic, visual communications. Why do we care? Well, let's step back in time for a moment. Think back to the earliest cave paintings, our distant ancestors in history. What did they paint about? Given we haven't been able to defrost one successfully and wake them up, <laughs> the truth is we'll never know the real reason why. But what do we see when we look at those paintings? Hands, themselves, potentially their community members. Game, the animals they would hunt in their areas. The hunt, representations of themselves and their people engaged in the hunt. Why? Appreciation, shamanic or ritual blessing to help ensure a successful hunt. You see, these are things which have been posited, but nothing that we can actually confirm. No matter what the real why is, they were communicating to themselves, to others in the community, to whatever deities or spirits were part of their lives, using icons, symbols, and marks. Our earliest ancestors used visual communication. Visual communication or facilitation is about connecting and engaging with others. They may not have had highly developed verbal language skills like we do today, but they got done what they needed to in order to survive and thrive. And that's exactly what we can do. So how are we going to do this? I'm going to call out some resources and that's going to set us up to get into the homework. So the first resources I'm going to call out are done by a gentleman I know by the name of Dave Gray, really smart guy founded X-Plane, based here in Portland. And the first resource will be In Defense of the Visual Alphabet. You will be able to find all the resources in the blog posting. So you can just go jump right to it. So this is a quick read, foundational material, and really builds a solid case for where we're going. The next one is basically his Visual Thinking Short Course, which is free. Just do this and watch the videos, okay? You'll be glad that you did. The next one is Dave's website, Visual Frameworks, A Language of Patterns. I think the work that Dave has done with this comes about as close as one can get to satisfying the intent that Christopher Alexander was pointing to in his book, A Pattern Language, back in 1977. It was always rather ironic to me that those who co-opted his book for use with technology did not seem to understand how that book connected with one of his follow-on books, The Timeless Way of Building, 1979. But I digress. 
On his site, you're going to find some resources. He's built a great wall chart and a card deck to play with. I've got both of them and they're great. In the blog post, you'll see those listed as exhibits one and two. Highly endorse them. As we do the homework, you're going to find that, hey, I need a toolkit. <laughs> I want to get started. Well, fact of the matter is you do not need high-tech tools to get this done. In fact, more tech can actually make things more difficult to make progress. What we need are opportunities to practice. And to do that, we should remove as many barriers as possible. So if you've got butcher paper, flip charts, loose leaf paper, napkins, post-it notes, now post-it notes are a little small, but still, use materials that you've got around you. So that's, that's what you're going to draw. That's your drawing surface. Now, what are you going to use? Sharpies, colored markers, pencils, ordinary writing pens. Great. Whatever you've got. Use whatever tools you can get your hands on that will inspire you to get to work. Now, back when I was working at Gartner, I had the opportunity to do lots of on-sites with clients and also <laughs> a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings with participants at Gartner conferences. And I used the thing that I'm going to show you in Exhibit 3 called the Beta Book. The Beta Book comes in two different sizes the small size and the larger kind of like full sheet of paper size. It's actually 11 by 17. Think of this as a portable whiteboard. See, I am staying true to my intention here, which was never letting the technology get in the way of connecting with the person that's across the table from me. I don't know if Betabook still is an operating concern. I hope they are because it's a really great product and I've gotten a lot of mileage out of it. The next resource I'll call your attention to is one by a very fabulous and talented person by the name of Brandy Agerbeck. She wrote this book called The Graphic Facilitator's Guide. This is a fabulous book that walks you through the mechanics of how to do graphical facilitation. I think this is an essential part of the visual communication skill set. It's a thin but very, very tightly packed book. It'll definitely get you going quickly. Okay. Those are our resources. Now let's get to the homework. Assignment number one, get some paper and a few things to write with. Look, steal your kids crayons if you need to. <laughs> Just get something. You want to get started. Two, read Dave's article on the visual alphabet. This is part of establishing the context for the work that we're going to need to do to get good at this. Number three, take Dave's short course on medium. Watch the videos, use your paper and writing utensils, and play. Again, the most important piece is you got to get in the game. Use the tools, practice. Number four, in your next meeting where an issue is being discussed, A, start drawing what you're hearing being talked about. What are the most meaningful points being made to you? Capture those on your writing surface with your tools. Okay. After the meeting's over, find someone who is in the meeting with you, show them what you've done. Talk with them about what your takeaways were using the drawing you just did. This is your opportunity to translate and to help somebody see from your perspective, what just got done. 
the next part of this is you want to be able to ask them what they see in your drawing, given their experience of being in the meeting with you. Again, the meeting is the shared context, and now you're being able to elicit meaning from this. And then after you've done that, think about what changes you might make given the conversation you just had. Everything has the opportunity to inform everything else. Number five, find a friend, coworker, or confidant and share with them the insights you've had so far about visual communication. Number six, commit to engaging in regular practice sessions so you can develop your facility and vocabulary. Choose two meetings a week where you'll repeat exercise number four. Seven, get Brandy Agerbeck's book on graphic facilitation and read it. Number eight, find an opportunity to practice doing some graphic facilitation. We've actually been really working our way towards this if you've been doing the homework, and now you just need to do it. Start getting some experience with it. Nine, just like with the six thinking hats homework from last week, you did do the homework, right? <laughs> this gets you out from being an observer to being in the game. It lets you experience how conversations actually move in practice, not how they move in your head. And also manage your own expectations. It doesn't need to be perfect. The important piece is that you're getting started. And then number 10, the final piece, is to share what you're learning, experiencing, what challenges or problems you're having, as well as all the good things you're accomplishing with me on LinkedIn, social media, or on the website as a response to the blog, sending me a note. I don't care. Whatever it takes. And again, let's be clear here. I'm totally serious about the homework. You do the work, you get the result. In the end, it's all up to you. As with any topic I bring you on the podcast series, diligent practice is essential. Some elements may come naturally to you. Others may require a significant amount of time and resource to develop. As I said in the last episode, you shouldn't expect things to be perfect straight out of the gate. If they are great, well, good. <laughs> Move on to the next thing that will help you become more comfortable with doing this. This is the real world, not some daydream. Those of you who take this on and start making progress, it's highly likely you will find yourself becoming more valuable to the organizations, teams, and individual contributors that you work with. Why? Because you're becoming someone who can help bring focus and clarity to important issues and provide artifacts that give life and persistence as well as meaning to shared experiences. You'll be helping to fulfill things that people actually care about and maybe <laughs> even having some fun while doing it. Now, how does that sound to you? I want to hear how things are going, so hit me up and let me know, okay? I'm on the blog and on the social channels, including LinkedIn. Don't be a stranger. Okay, right. Let's wrap this up, pick up our pencils and paper, and get to work. Thank you for joining me on Esoteric Curiosities. I hope that you enjoyed or found value in today's conversation. I am solely responsible for the selection of the topic, guests, and opinions expressed here. For more information or to contact me, visit my website, www.kennethgonzalez.com. I hope that you'll return again soon to join me in another episode. In the meantime, all the best and bye for now. Copyright Kenneth Gonzalez, 2024. All rights reserved worldwide.